0: Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year round with the Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas. And that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now Master Spas technology is incredible. With LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America, use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for... Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything. I couldn't get a good night's sleep, and this is neither drug nor alcohol-induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it, and he fitted me for my first MyPillow, and it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and the good news, you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com, promo code SEAN. And take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers, his special four-pack. You get 50% off two MyPillow Premium Pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow's made in the USA has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10-year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now, use the promo code Shawn, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow Premium Pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code SEAN. All right, happy Friday, and we do start with some happy news, and I'm not even talking about the great economic news that is out there today. We'll get to that. Uh, Remember we talked at length about Christian Saucier. This guy has a wife and kid and... And this, he took six pictures inside a submarine and was put in jail. He he was was he was it a full and complete pardon he just got, Linda, or was it was it, a full pardon? He got a full pardon and is being let out apparently, I guess, as we speak... No,
1: he was released before, but now the pardon okay. will
0: wipe clean his record. Oh, that's great. All right, good. All right, I didn't keep up with it. That's great. Uh, something we have advocated for again and again. I can't tell you how many times how many people I mentioned this to. Can you please look into this? Can you please look into this? Can you please look into this? And the same with Clint Lawrence. I don't want... We got to get Clint Lorance out of jail. It's we unbelievable. We worked
1: tirelessly on both of those cases, so... Yeah,
0: I'm not... Listen, I'm not going to tell anybody what I did, but I'm just... Well,
1: let us tell them. I am
0: just happy that this young man and, you know, think about this and compare it to Hillary Clinton. He had six pictures. He wasn't supposed to be taking pictures inside the submarine. He's proud of the work that he did inside a submarine. Didn't send the pictures to anybody. He wasn't accused of sending the pictures to anybody. Unfortunately, he lost his phone. And then when he lost his phone, they found the phone in the phone. They saw the pictures of inside the submarine. And instead of what he should have gotten, which is a little slap on the wrist, maybe a slight demotion, um, they turned it into a big ordeal and they end up putting this guy in jail for an entire year. It's unbelievable that we treat our servicemen and women this way. Kind of like Michael Flynn, General Flynn. You know, now General Flynn has to sell his house just to pay for his lawyers because he was talking to his counterpart and may not have remembered every aspect of the conversation and, quote, lied to the FBI. I doubt General Flynn lied to the FBI. I bet he took a plea deal because they said, well, we're going to put your son in jail. That's my guess. That's where my, my mind is running. I don't know for a fact yet, but I'm working on finding out if I'm right on that. But the bottom line is, why would you put a guy who took six pictures of his submarine? And we just learned last week uh, that Peter struck he's one of the ones that, along with James Comey, writing an exoneration of Hillary Clinton before the investigation, he knew the Russians had hacked into that email server that she had set up in the mom and pop shop bathroom closet that was hacked by five, five separate foreign intelligence agencies struck news specifically that the Russians had hacked into it. OK, the Russians probably had the same information as Julian Assange doesn't mean that they gave it to Julian Assange. Assange swears they didn't. You could, But Hillary left it so wide open anybody could have gotten it. That's the point. And if you mishandle classified, top secret, special access program, that's a crime, that's a felony. 18, USC, 792, I can go through all the different felony statutes that she violated. But then the fix was in. The fix wasn't in for Christian Saussier. He went to jail. But the fix was in for Hillary because Comey and Strzok and McCabe and, and Lisa Page and probably Loretta Lynch, too, meeting on the tarmac with Bill. They all wanted her to be the candidate. They weren't going to let her get charged, like Christian Saucier. You see now, this is a, a real-life example when I talk about equal justice under the law, because Christian Saucier had one set of legal standards applied to him, and Hillary has an entirely different set of standards applied to her. And the poor guy spent, however many months in jail for nothing. He wasn't a threat to our national security. What Clinton did is far worse. And she covered it up, deleted it, acid washed it, bleach bit it, and and banged it up with hammers to make sure nobody could get access to it. But apparently people had already had access to it because she put it in an unsecure location. And she did that because she wanted to avoid congressional oversight. It's unbelievable how people are. Before we get into the president and this huge, this is a big deal with North Korea and Kim Jong-il. It's a huge deal. But before we do that, I want to go back, a meet-the-press interview. This is 1999. This is a full 16 years before Donald Trump even announces that he's going to run for president. Listen to Donald Trump talking about North Korea.
2: I would negotiate like crazy, and I'd make sure that we tried to get the best deal possible. Look, Tim... If a man walks up to you on a street in Washington, because this doesn't happen, of course, in New York, but if a man walks up and puts a gun to your head and says, give me your money, wouldn't you rather know where he's coming from before he had the gun in his hand? And these people, in three or four years, are going to be having nuclear weapons, they're going to have those weapons pointed all over the world and specifically at the United States, and wouldn't you be better off solving this really potentially unbelievable, and the biggest problem, I mean, we can talk about the economy, we can talk about Social Security, the biggest problem this world has is nuclear proliferation. And we have a country out there in North Korea, which is sort of wacko, which is not a, dumb, not a bunch of dummies, and they are going out and they are developing nuclear weapons. And they're not doing it because they're having fun doing it, they're doing it for a reason. And wouldn't it be good to sit down and really negotiate something, and ideally negotiate? Now, If that negotiation doesn't work, you better solve the problem now than solve it later, Tim. And you know it, and every politician knows it, and nobody wants to talk about it. Jimmy Carter, who I really like, he went over there. It was so soft. These people are laughing at us.
3: The former general of the Air Force, Merrill McPeak, the former Secretary of Defense, Les Aspen, said you could not launch a preemptive strike against North Korea because the nuclear fallout could be devastating to the Asian Peninsula.
2: I'm not talking about I'm not talking about us using nuclear weapons. I'm saying that they have areas where they're developing missiles.
3: No, but taking out their nuclear you weapons know would create Tim,
2: a fallout. Tim, do you know that this country went out and gave them nuclear reactors, free fuel for 10 years? We, we virtually tried to bribe them into stopping, and they're continuing to do what they're doing, and they're laughing at us. They think we're a bunch of dummies. I'm saying that we have to do something to
3: stop. But if the military Ideally, told you, Mr. Trump, we can't can do you this. Give
2: me two names. You're giving me two names. I don't know. Do you want to do it in five years when they have warheads all over the place, every one of them pointing to New York City, to Washington, and every one of our. Is that when you want to do it, or do you want to do something now? You better do it now. And if they think you're serious, I deal with lots of people. If they think you're serious, they'll negotiate, and it'll never come to that.
0: If they think you're serious. Now, the media went absolutely apoplectic and insane over Little Rocket Man. Which was the, one of the funniest things that President Trump has ever said. And little Rocket Man was, you know, huffing and puffing and firing his missiles over Japan. And while he did that, while well, the president ratcheted up the strongest sanctions that the North Korean regime ever faced. And while he did it, he was moving uh, nuclear submarines into the area. And while he was doing it, he was fortifying his relationships with China and Japan and and other nations that would be in in the geopolitical arena there that would be impacted by all of this and eventually it started to take its toll on everything that was happening one of the most underreported stories is the relationship that Donald Trump has developed with the Chinese president remember when the Chinese president comes to Washington and they're supposed to have you know a number of 10 or 15 minute meetings they end up going on for hours and people are like where are these guys what what's this, what's going on in there well it ends up they developed a friendship and as a result of that well we now have china is growing more dependent on us energy exports at one point he actually turned around some some imports from north korea they have significantly reduced their exports to to north korea and so that partnership has paid huge dividends culminating in what happened you know around 7:15 or so last night When you have the announcement, I have the privilege of briefing the president on my recent trip to Pyongyang, and this is the South Korean president, uh, and I'd like to thank the president, the vice president, the national security team, and because of Donald Trump's leadership, it has brought us to this juncture and expressed his gratitude for Trump's leadership. I told the president that in our meeting, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un said that he is committed to denuclearization. Now, slow down. That doesn't—denuclearization, that is a lot bigger than the way the press even played this up. If you've got to denuclearize the zone, he's going to get— this, These talks are about him getting rid of nuclear weapons and joining the world community. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. I don't want to raise expectations. I'm a Reagan trust but verify guy. I'm a, I believe in peace through strength. I think strength brought us to this position. Anyway, he goes on and he said he pledged that North Korea would refrain from missile tests and he understands that the routine joint exercises must continue. So America is going to continue their joint exercises in the region. America is going to continue their military presence in the region. America is going to continue. Then the president actually tweeted out that Kim Jong-un talked about denuclearization with South Korean representatives, not just a freeze. A freeze means he gets to keep everything he's got. Also, no missile testing by North Korea during this time period. Great progress being made, but sanctions will remain until an agreement is reached. The meeting is being planned. I'm watching these idiots on TV, the same people that said, oh, oh, he's going to start war. He He can't call him Little Rocket Man. Well, he can, and he did. And as a result, we have an opportunity maybe to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula, which would be great you got to be optimistic of a peaceful resolution. That would be a good thing for North Korea, China, Japan, the entire region. Be good for the North Korean people. They might be able to eat. So it's major breaking news. And at the end of the day, there's only one interpretation, if you're honest. And that is that what Donald Trump did here is he got Kim Jong-un to blink. He got his attention and all the president's actions backed up the words that he was using and it, the president made clear that, OK, you've got your button. We've got a bigger buttons and ours work and ours are accurate. That was never a good solution. There is no good solution. Bill Clinton promised after he made a deal with Kim Jong Un's father, Kim Jong Il, uh, that, oh, this is a good deal for the American people. He does what liberals always do. He bows down on bended knee and he tries to bribe murdering dictatorships and regimes. And in that case, it was some $3 billion in in energy and subsidies, and it didn't work. They still pursued their nuclear weapons program. The world wasn't a safer place. It was a more dangerous place. And the same thing happened, and it's happening right before our eyes. For some obscene reason, Barack Obama thinks it's a good deal that he gave the Iranian mullahs $150 billion in, in cargo planes and cash and other currencies. And he still even allowed the Iranians to spin their centrifuges. Those are the same mullahs chanting death to Israel, death to America.
4: Today, after two years of negotiations, the United States, together with our international partners, has achieved something that decades of animosity has not. A comprehensive, long-term deal with Iran that will prevent it from obtaining a nuclear weapon. This deal demonstrates that American diplomacy can bring about real and meaningful change. Change that makes our country and the world safer and more secure. (laughs) This deal is also in line with a tradition of American leadership.
0: A total, complete, and utter fantasy on Obama's part, on Clinton's part. It's no different than the idiocy of appeasement of Neville Chamberlain and peace in our time. And as my mother would always say, well, rue the day you give these people billions of dollars. Well, I can tell you, no matter what happens, there's no, there's no downside to this. Either the North Koreans capitulate or they, they get nothing. That's how it's going to work. They're not going to get billions of, of dollars in cash and other currency from Trump. All right, so these are the details as it relates for Christian Saucier. Um, now, the president issued the second pardon of his presidency just today. Former Navy sailor Christian Saucier. Sadie Saucier said she was thrilled to hear about the pardon. I can't believe it happened. It's still sinking in. She said that her husband was driving a garbage truck when the news came in. He texted me back, what? With an exclamation point. I'm very grateful. It's going to be a huge reality when probation calls and the uh, ankle monitor comes off. Remember, he was sentenced to a year in prison in the uh, 2016 campaign. What did he do? He took pictures inside a nuclear submarine. Now, Trump did talk about the case on the campaign trail, saying that he was ruined for doing nothing compared to Hillary Clinton. Saucy was only 22 years old when he took cell phone photos in 2009, and Saucy is now 31. He took them inside a sub. They were confidential, lowest level of classification, even though some depicted the, the you know, they, they gave away no information that basically weren't even public knowledge. Clinton, by contrast, sent and received... Top secret, classified, and the highest classification, special access programming uh, security on a private, insecure email server that was hacked by five foreign entities. Sausset told the Washington Examiner earlier this year that a felony conviction made it hard for him to find work. And he worked as a garbage man to support his wife and his young daughter. His family's cars were repossessed while he was in prison in his Vermont home was in foreclosure. Sassier's several months of wearing an ankle bracelet are now gone. They can take that off, which is great, great news. One other thing, I can't emphasize this enough. Even the Wall Street Journal pointed it out today. The president got Kim Jong-un to this point in large part because of the relationship he's had with China and the Chinese president. Because China was ramping up their enforcement of international sanctions and uh, if you go back to March 1st, the Wall Street Journal was writing a week-long tour of China's borders, r- border regions found the sanctions are starting to bite inside of North Korea. Factories are closing, prices are rising, power shortages in some areas. The drop-off in official trade with China, which normally accounts for 90% of North Korea's total, is a blow to Pyongyang. And China's imports from North Korea dropped by a third in 2017, the Chinese government says. And in December, they were down 82% from the year prior. Well, what do you think happened here? The president was spending hours with the, the Chinese president. And I asked him, he said, he have never gotten along with anybody so fast in my life. And they just hit it off. And he'd gotten on the phone, he called the Chinese president, and he supported it. Anyway... 800 941 Sean, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We've got a lot of other news we will get to and your calls straight ahead. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Happy Friday. Thanks for being with us. Toll-free our numbers, 800 941 Sean, You want to be a part of the uh, program. Uh, um, frankly, the numbers are amazing, just phenomenal. And, you know, I, I spent a whole year giving you the same numbers, statistics, eight years after Obama. 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, lowest labor participation since the 70s, worst recovery since the 40s, lowest home ownership rate in 51 years, and he doubled the national debt. That was Obama's track record. And the only reason it wasn't even worse is because the Fed stepped in with artificially low interest rates, uh, you know, almost the entire time. Just a disaster. And after eight years, there's not one... There's nobody in the media that ever told you the truth about how bad it was. Now people are optimistic. Optimism is, is higher than it's ever been. You know, if you just look, you know, at the numbers that came out today, it's pretty phenomenal. And if you want America to succeed, what was the last election about? The last election was about America's what? Forgotten men and America's forgotten women. And those people that are out of work and those people that are in poverty and those people that are on food stamps, and those people that are out of the labor force, and those people that, that feel hope has left them. Anyway, you got a job blowout, and the economy now added 313,000 new workers. That may be the best single day of, of Donald Trump's presidency between last night and today. He's being hailed for a diplomatic breakthrough with North Korea. By the way, if he was a Democrat— He probably would have gotten the Nobel Peace Prize just for just for getting to this point. With today's unemployment report, it shows the job growth came in at more than 50 percent higher than the experts expected. U.S. stock futures jumped by triple digits Friday morning after the monthly unemployment report. The highest level of job growth since July of 2016. 313,000 jobs added in February, far surpassing expectations of an increase of maybe 200. And of course that was uh, after January's better than expected reading. So the rate continued. Unemployment rate is 4.1%. It's the lowest rate in more than 17 years. The labor force participation rate increased to 63%. That metric gauges the percentage of working age Americans that are working or looking for work. The average hourly earnings, meanwhile, increased uh, to 2675 That's the hourly rate, $26.75. The wage growth rose by 2.6%. That's down slightly from the 2.9% wage increase from January. Uh, Goods-producing industries like construction and manufacturing, mining, logging, collectively had the highest month-to-month growth since 1998. Job creation numbers for January and December were revised higher also, according to the monthly report. You now have a record, 155,215,000 Americans that are employed. That is a record number. Amazing. That's uh, just incredible. That's 785,000 people more than last month's record, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The number of employed, if you want to break it down demographically, which everybody in the media likes to do, black, Hispanic unemployment in America now at historic lows. Number of black-employed Americans at a record high, 19,087,000 last month, and a record 72,530 women, 16 and older, were counted as employed. It's uh, To put the unemployment rate in perspective, the last time we saw rates this low, Bill Clinton was president. In the final four months of 2000, Clinton's full year in office, the unemployment rate went to 3.9%. Its lowest rate was 3.8%. These are amazing numbers. Wages continue to rise. Numbers of Americans not in the labor force is being reduced. And uh, we have the non-civilian. I mean, I just go through these numbers all day. The bottom line, these are great numbers and a great day. But you wouldn't know it if you look at the news media last night. You know, I actually looked at some of this stuff online and by Newsbusters. So you've got one good news bombshell after another in the last 24 hours, which is good for America. What drives elections? Well, peace and prosperity. If we can get, in the Korean Peninsula, if we can get peace and we can denuclearize the area, do you imagine what that means for economic possibilities for everybody? It's phenomenal. So you have all this good news out there, 330-some-odd thousand new jobs, all-time approval rating, High in the Marist survey and Zogby and Rasmussen. So Trump's approval ratings continue to grow. And the president who Democrats claim was so unstable and deranged, maybe on the verge of a breakthrough with North Korea, that could be worthy of a real peace prize. And it has left Democrats like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi literally speechless. And Maxine Waters has gone into hiding. You know, I got a a clip last night of MSNBC and their conspiracy theorists over there. This is can you 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 could imagine a president asking himself, "Why has no other American president ever agreed to do this?"
5: You might imagine another president in this circumstance. Kim Jong Un makes a makes a request. Do you want to meet? You might
1: you might think like another president in this circumstance. You could imagine a president asking himself or herself, "Why has no other American president ever agreed to do this?" Why has no sitting American president ever met with a leader ever? from North Korea? Why has that never happened in all the decades North Korea has existed as a nation? Why, why hasn't any other president ever done? Should I take that to mean that this might be a particularly risky or even an unwise move? See, I, I think that's how most presidents would approach the idea of a personal presidential meeting with the North Korean dictator.
0: All right, I can't take any more. Let, take me, lot- let me Let me answer this. Donald Trump is not the president that is going to get down on his hands and knees and kiss the ring of radical Islamic mullahs in Iran and deliver $150 billion in cash and other currencies. No, he's not like those guys. He's not like the guy that said, this is a good deal, especially for the hot chicks. This is a good deal for the American people. And give North, I'm giving North Korea billions. I expect him to be, play nice in the sandbox. No, that's not the guy. Now, good news is bad news for people on the left side of the aisle. Because every bit of economic good news that comes out, it points out just how incompetent, just how the radical leftism of Obama, you know, that gave that same network some anchors, thrill up their legs... Has policies have failed? This is the perfect moment to historically learn something. One, peace through strength works. Two, sanctions work. Three, talking tough and meaning it works. Bribery, extortion, sucking up to murdering dictatorships doesn't work. Appeasement doesn't work. Nor does redistributing the wealth work. Nor does Punishing business and burdening business with high taxes and regulations work. None of it works. But for whatever reason, we get sucked into this ebb and flow that we're going to try stupid every time again. Jimmy Carter failed. Reagan had to clean up his mess. Reagan's policies worked. The The same exact thing. Obama's policies were a disaster. And if Americans don't know it, it's because they're not listening to this program. I made a decision. I'm going to say it every day during the election how bad it was because I knew nobody else would say it. And look at where we are. Now Americans have opportunities and we have a chance of peace that nobody thought possible in the Korean Peninsula. That's good for the country. That's good for you. That's good for America. Now we have some other issues to move on here uh, with. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have some good news once in a while. I think there is a Rasmussen survey that says that the Oakland mayor Libby Schaff, who is standing by her decision to aid and abet criminal activity and tip off the city's illegal immigration population last week, that ICE agents were on the way. And the survey asked, well, the mayor of a major city recently notified illegal immigrants in her city that a federal immigration authorities were about to conduct operations there. Should the U.S. Department of Justice seek obstruction of justice charges against the mayor? Well, 47 percent of likely U.S. voters said yes. The Justice Department should seek obstruction of justice charges against the mayor. Thirty six percent opposed. I know the left would love it because they think in their minds that would just turn You know, this mayor into a martyr. We have, um, as she stands defiant, there's an interesting Daily Caller piece out today. As this mayor, Schaaf, stands defiant uh, in face of immigration law and defiance of immigration laws. You've got the mayor protecting all these, you know, you got part of the population there. There's a 100 illegal alien pedophiles, according to the Daily Caller and child uh, sex abusers, and wife beaters and rapists, 100, in and around that area. Now, I gave you the statistics of the 232 they apprehended, 115 of them had committed very, very serious crimes. So they were looking for illegal immigrants that that had then been found guilty of other major crimes. This was not, they weren't going after DACA, they weren't going after Dreamers, they weren't going after people on that overstayed their their visa, they weren't going after chain migration. No, they were going after those illegal immigrants that were convicted of other crimes and still on the streets of our cities and towns. That's what that was about. And they were successful. But the mayor did put the life of law enforcement agents in jeopardy, and that's a problem. Now, I want to give you an update. We'll do this more at the top of the hour. There's two big developments in what, is we can call in one general term Obama Gate or Deep State Gate, whatever term you prefer to use. And that was, I told you yesterday that uh, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions, he gave an interview with Shannon Bream of the Fox News Channel. And in that interview, he says, I have appointed a person outside of Washington, many years at the Department of Justice, to look at all the allegations that the House Judiciary Committee members sent to us And we are conducting that investigation. And then Jeff Sessions said that he's well aware that we have a responsibility to ensure the integrity of the FISA process. We're not afraid to look at it, he said. And he pointed out that the inspector general report, we're expecting that any day now, has almost 500 employees, most of them lawyers and prosecutors. And they're looking at the FISA process. Um, What does that tell you? Well, it tells you that a lot of times the Department of Justice is doing things that you don't know about. I know it's been so frustrating for those of us that know the crimes were committed. But it seems like the attention has uh, been got- finally has gotten to the Department of Justice. And that means everything involving that phony bought-and-paid-for Russian dossier of Hillary Clinton that was then used to obtain a FISA warrant against Carter Page, Tr- Trump campaign associate in the Trump campaign, Uh, that in fact the fact that they lied to the judge purposely omitted information to the judge they knew it was bought and paid for by Clinton they never told the judge that and they knew they had never verified which the FISA law mandates and FBI protocol mandates so that's a huge development I hear there's something well let me put it this way TikTok for next week something big coming can feel it it's in my DNA I know now, on another side issue, the uranium one issue has come back into play. Anyway, there was a horrible hit piece after Democrats—they're scared to death of the uranium one issue. When we now find found out why, now we broke this story like other stories, and we've been telling you that something is coming. This is a big story, and some of you say, "Yeah, right." You always tell us that, Hannity. Well, I haven't been proven wrong yet. Anyway, what we learned is when the uranium one, William Douglas, uh, Douglas Campbell is the informant that was inside Putin's network while he was trying to get a foothold in the uranium industry. Anyway, so Democrats put out a preemptive hit strike against this witness who literally was ri- risking his life being in Putin's network when they were involved in bribery, extortion, money laundering, and kickbacks, and he's the one that knew everything that was happening. Anyway, so we're going to talk to Victoria Tunsing, Now we found out in this piece that in December of 2017, FBI agents from Little Rock, Arkansas, interviewed Mr. Campbell about the Clinton Foundation. Now, would they have done that? if he And any concerns about Campbell? I doubt it. All right, let me take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll continue. It's the Sean Hannity Show. When we come back, an exclusive interview, the attorney for that FBI informant in the Uranium One case, the big bombshell, that the Arkansas FBI talked to this informant about the Clinton Foundation in December of last year. That is a huge development. Also, Jeff Sessions appears to be moving very close now to announcing a special counsel. We'll get to that and much more as we continue. We'll also get your calls in 800 941 Sean if you want to be a part of the program. our right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. It was one year ago yesterday that Sarah Carter, John Solomon, broke the story that, in fact, there was a FISA warrant issued against the Trump campaign, an associate of the Trump campaign. And at the time, president tweeted out some days later that, oh, it looks like I was wiretapped. And everybody in the media mocked, made fun of, and then so many people That knew that it had happened, denied it publicly. Then it gets to the issue of the phony dossier. We have found out about, okay, we have a phony dossier that was bought and paid for by the Clinton campaign and the DNC. That was used as the bulk of information to secure a FISA warrant. That was the biggest part of the application to get the FISA warrant. And, in fact, they withheld very key information from the FISA court judge they never said that Clinton bought and paid for it they only had a footnote it may be political in nature that doesn't that's that's lying by omission as far as i'm concerned then you have the issue of James Comey who knew that it was bought and paid for knew that the fisa warrant was applied for When he met with Trump three months after the application had been granted, well, he lied to Donald Trump, saying it was uh, not verified and not salacious. Now, that violates a whole host of FBI rules, the FISA law, and, and a bunch of other things. Now, a lot of you have been impatient about making progress on all these issues. It's only been a year since we've started, and we've made so much progress. Now, yesterday was another day where a lot of progress was made. There was a hit piece that was put out against that FBI informant in the Uranium One case. Now, he was the one that was in Vladimir Putin's operation network with Inside America that had a goal of, of getting a foothold in America's uranium industry. And he's the one that chronicled the bribery, the extortion, the money laundering, and the kickbacks. Well, there was a a selective leak against William Campbell. This is a guy that's been in the CIA, you know, some 30 years he's been in this career. He knew about Vladimir Putin's intentions early on. Robert Mueller was the FBI director. William Campbell was an FBI informant, and they did nothing. Anyway, the attorney for William Campbell fought back hard yesterday and as a matter of course also revealed that there is an investigation in the Clinton Foundation that is being undertaken by the FBI office in Arkansas. So here to weigh in on all these new developments this week Sarah Carter investigative reporter Fox News Channel and Victoria Tunsing of DeGeneva and Tunsing, who was the lawyer for Mr. Campbell, the informant in the Uranium One case. Welcome both of you. Thank you, Sean. All right, you wrote uh, it's this really letter. Nice to talk to you, Victoria. What a stinging rebuke to this hit piece that was leaked to the Hill, um, and there's a lot of new information in it. Uh, tell us. All that you can at this point.
1: Well, the Democrats were intent on putting out what uh, Mr. Campbell did not know. Well, Sean, if 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 I tell you that I've got a lot of influence with X and X is going to do me a good de- deal and that deal takes place and you learn later that X received a lot of money from me. You see, I mean, you don't need to be there to see the money exchanging hands. You don't need to know any more than that. I bragged about being able to fix something through X, and that thing got done. So. The the Democrats were just saying, well, he wasn't there. He didn't see the money. He didn't see it pass. He didn't hear this. He wasn't at CFIUS. Well, of course not. That was not his role. You know, I told you all along whenever you tease me and say, Okay, what's he going to say? I would say he's going to tell you what the Russians were saying about their relationship with the Clintons. And what he said was exactly that. They were always bragging that they had influence with the Clintons and lo and behold the ciffius deal goes
0: through you the article in the hill the hip piece was based solely on democratic sources and a democratic memo now as you lay out how false and how basically this is a hit job against your client and this is only selective leaking by Democrats that got a hold of this information. You also reveal that it wasn't very long ago in December of just last year, 2017, that FBI agents in Little Rock, Arkansas interviewed the informant, Mr. Campbell, about the Clinton Foundation. Now, would they have done so if they had any credibility concerns about him, the answer is obviously no. so:
1: Absolutely not, because it was about the Clinton Foundation, which was not the subject of when he was working uh, to show the corruption in the Russian uh, companies way back in 2009 and 10. Uh, th- this was about the Clinton Foundation, which he was not asked. To report on at the time. So now they came back and they told him he was a great fellow and they really praised him for his work. Um, The Democrats are lying, which they they do often. Adam Schiff just lies when he talks. let, Let me just tell you something. They criticized him for his memory. Well, Mr. Campbell has leukemia and he's taking medicine. Every morning he has to take chemotherapy medicine. And so he gets he he conks out so for about three or four hours. that's why we had to even have the briefing in the afternoon. Um, he, he wrote he worked for a couple of weeks, knowing this briefing was coming up to write everything down so he could be polite to them, and if he forgot something, which he rarely did during the four and a half hours, all uh, he could confer it to his notes, and they mock him because he doesn't have a good memory the Democrats
0: that's pretty lost disgraceful
1: body with cancer and,
0: and how many how many years reporter. has he served his country within the cia 30, being an informant 30. and he was yes. a covert and operative and, and undercover at times uh, so that means he was risking his life every time right
1: yes and let me tell you about this reporter from the hill because i said to her hey you didn't even you didn't even call me i mean that's journalism 101 Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize, um, and I wanted a retraction. And she said, "Well, no, because I printed what the Democrats told me." And that was her reason for not wanting so, to So it's print it's her typical
0: retraction. media. It's such a disgrace the state of jour- so called journalism. Uh, I want to get your take on on this, Sarah. The thing that stands out is this interview by the Arkansas FBI looking into the Clinton Foundation really confirming something we have thought was happening, we suspected was happening, we've gotten wind that it was happening, but now we have full confirmation it is happening.
6: Yes. The, the, the fact that we know now, without a doubt, that the FBI Little Rock, Arkansas field office is is investigating the Clinton Foundation. Remember, it's part of a number of field offices, Sean, that we suspected were still investigating uh, the Clinton Foundation. This is just rock solid that that's exactly what they're doing. And it is evident that they would go to William Campbell, Victoria's uh, client, and ask him for an interview because they believe. And they know he has information to share with them. This is about this, this entire Democratic memo. And I did get a response back from The Hill, which is in my story. Uh, this entire Democratic memo was a hit piece, basically on William Campbell. The FBI paid him over $50,000 in 2016. They invited him for dinner. They thanked him for his service, for his work. You don't keep a man for six years undercover in this particular case, working both counterintelligence and criminal for the bureau if they are unreliable and not very good uh, at collecting information. But but
0: didn't he discover, while he had penetrated and was an informant for our FBI, he discovered bribery, extortion, money laundering, kickbacks, basically racketeering, It's a Putin network working within the United States with a goal to get a foothold in the uranium industry. Now, Bob Mueller is the FBI director at the time. He was passing this information on to his superiors. Why did they allow Putin's operatives to be successful in the end? This is 18 months before they signed off on that Uranium One deal. Well,
6: because they were in a counterintelligence investigation. And this is what's really this is what's really incredible here. You know, we we know now that that William Campbell had worked with the CIA. We know he was passed off by the CIA to the FBI, which was investigating, uh, you know, bribery kickbacks and all kinds of other type of schemes, money laundering between the Russians and U.S. contractors here in the United States. And we know that Campbell was providing very sensitive counterintelligence information. So I think what happens is this. They're collecting the counterintelligence information, and they can't crack down fast enough on the bad guys, because they're still collecting information. But the fact remains that the information that Campbell was providing to the FBI was being run up the chain of command, and that's according to the agents that were handling him. That is the information that they gave him, and we know it ran up the chain of command. We believe Mueller, of course, knew about this. Then it would go further up, and according to the FBI handlers, and this is based on uh, Campbell's documentation from the time, it actually went to the president of the United States. Well, even if the public didn't know about this, Sean, the United States government, people within the government knew about it, and that would have been enough.
0: They knew about it, and they did nothing. Somebody
6: on the 50th board stopped that sale. And they had 18 a months knowledge.
0: Uh, uh, full. I thought Russian interference, Victoria Tunsing, was something that we'd never wanted in this country. But it sounds like they well, no, allowed was- Russian interference at a level that, would, that that goes way beyond them trying to use trolls to impact an election.
1: But, Sean, this was during the Obama administration. Mr. You know, he do no wrong. And this was Russia reset, which everybody applauded. you recall that? So this was in 2009, 2010. And Hillary was making making eyes at uh, Putin. then it was all hunky-dory. Also, all they had to do, as Sarah was just saying, all the government had to do was write a secret memo to the CFIUS people and say, we can't go into detail right now, but these are bad players. So don't approve it.
0: That's all yeah. they had to do. You're right. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back more with Victoria Tunsing and Sarah Carter on the uh, other side of the break. We're going to look at the polls. Interesting things happening. This blue uh, a democratic wave that people were predicting never happened what does it mean for 2018 all right, as we continue with uh, Victoria Tunsing and Sarah Carter, and uh, Victoria represents the informant in the Uranium One case, and we have now discovered that, in fact, he spoke to the FBI Bureau in Arkansas as it relates to the Clinton Foundation, so this is getting interesting. I want to ask you both about the comments yesterday about by Jeff Sessions having appointed an outside person outside of Washington who worked many years at the Department of Justice Uh, looking into the FISA abuses, and he said he's well aware that he has a responsibility to ensure the integrity of the FISA process. Sounds to me like this is a prelude to a special counsel, uh, Victoria.
1: Well, we would hope so, because the IG, even though we all respect him and know he's going to do an honest job, Mike Horowitz, um, he has no authority to subpoena Anybody outside the Justice Department, and that's an administrative subpoena or a command, walk or talk if you're working at DOJ. But if you're not, if you have left DOJ or you are working at the CIA or State Department, then he can't compel you to talk to him about anything. So forget the fact that he did not even have the power to indict somebody. So it's got to go to a special counsel.
0: All right. And I think this is a tip of the hat now. What I heard is we're less than 10 days away from the IG report. I hear the IG report is going to be devastating to names that this audience will be familiar with. FBI, not following processes. They're going to – their own process, their own own way of doing things, and that things have really become politicized at the Bureau in the higher echelons at least. Uh, Sarah, it would seem to me that that then – would trigger a special counsel that would probably go back looking at the Clinton email investigation and the fix being in and it being rigged. And that would mean that the dossier is going to be looked into who bought and paid for it and how was it ever presented the way it was to a FISA court without giving the FISA judges the proper information.
6: Uh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, I spoke today to several congressional members uh, that informed me that it looks more likely that a special counsel will be appointed, and that's what they're hearing. So it looks like we are definitely heading in that direction. And I think it's interesting because Attorney General Jeff Sessions, when, she was on, when he was on Fox talking to Shannon Bream, he was very explicit that he had a prosecutor outside of the scope that has been looking at this for some time. And remember, this This is something that they had spoken to us about in the past. It's something I reported on and included that they did have prosecutors looking at this and they were assessing whether or not this should move towards a special counsel. Victoria brought up really great points. I mean, they're outside the scope of the IG, some of these witnesses that he needs to call in. I have been told that uh, Michael Horowitz, who's the inspector general, really doesn't have the resources to go after something as big as a foreign intelligence surveillance application. Violations, or the FBI. But he doesn't right have the I mean, prosecutorial really powers
0: either, so that's that's why it would have to be handed over.
6: That's right. I want to go back really quick, Sean, to Victoria yeah. and her, you know, and the issue that she's been dealing with with the Uranium One uh, informant with Mr. Campbell. I I was looking at a number of stories that came out after the Hill, and I can tell you, maybe we can ask her now, but Yahoo didn't quote, uh, didn't have a comment from her. CNN didn't. The Washington Examiner, the Washington Post.
0: Well, no, they never bothered, which is why she had they to put out her own bothered statement to
6: call Victoria.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have any time, but we'll have you both on Hannity tonight, and we'll delve deeper. This is a huge development, and uh, Victoria, uh, I'm sorry what they did to your client. Uh, obviously, he was trying to to warn everybody how dangerous this was, and we should have heeded his warning. Uh, thank you both. We'll have a lot more on Hannity tonight as these uh, stories now move into hyperspeed mode and uh, new developments, it seems, every hour. Eight hundred nine four one Sean Sean telephone number. All right, we're now in an election year. It's an off-year election. It's a midterm. How do the Republicans look? Can you glean anything out of Texas and what's coming up Tuesday and in Pittsburgh? That's straight ahead. I'm glad you're with us. 25 now till the top of the hour. 800 941 if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, You know, there was a lot of talk heading into the Texas primaries earlier this week that there's going to be a big blue wave in Texas. Well, it didn't turn out that way. I I think the best analysis I read came from a Democrat who's going to join us in a second, Doug Schoen, and his headline is Texas primaries disappointing for Dems, but there are some bright spots. And he said the results of recent primaries in Texas were surprising and for Democrats concerning. The overall trend was much greater turnout for Republicans, and then he gave examples. For example, 62.8% of U.S. Senate primary votes were cast on the Republican side, as opposed to 37.2% for the Democrats. In the race for governor, 60.2% of votes were cast for the Republican primary, 39% for the Democratic one. This result contradicted Democratic optimism that this would finally be the year that Texas goes blue and belied some earlier predictive metrics. In early voting, Democrats outnumbered Republicans in 15 largest districts. The results of these primaries demonstrate clearly that the Democratic establishments needs to rethink their strategy if they want to capitalize on potential energy of backlash to President Trump. And even more concerning was the lack of Democratic enthusiasm in districts that Hillary Clinton had carried in 2016 in the presidential election. And he goes on from there. And joining us now to take a, a beginning of what will be many shows, many half hours we'll be doing as a lead up to the midterms in 2018. And there's a lot at stake. Nancy Pelosi becomes Speaker of the House. Uh, God only knows what was would happen in terms of their hatred for Donald Trump. Doug Schoen is with us. He is a pollster, author, Fox News political analyst, and John McLaughlin, pollster, founder of McLaughlin & Associates. Welcome, uh, guys, back to the program, and uh, appreciate you being with us. Uh, happy to be here, Sean. All right, before we, go, before we even start, who's going to win the House and Senate when all's said and done— in November of this year, and I'll start with John McLaughlin.
4: Well, the Republicans should win it, and and the reason is because they should be able to control the agenda, and with the president succeeding where you saw over 300,000 jobs were created this month. that That was announced today, so the tax cuts are working, and then last night, certainly with the news that he's going to uh, negotiate personally with uh, North Korea, and that they're willing to 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 you know stop their uh, nuclear missile tests, uh, while at the same time the United States is still we're we're still doing our military exercises and we're still keeping the sanctions on them. So uh, the policy success of President Trump gives the Republicans in the House and the Senate a great opportunity. I'll tell you, the Senate, um, what's really interesting of those 10 states that Donald Trump won for president, where Democrats are standing for re-election, there was a recent poll by Axios. Five of, the, five of those states have the Republican, a generic Republican, ahead of the incumbent Democrat. So we should be able to pick up seats in the Senate. And the House, if they if they get their act together and they keep keep. Moving up votes on key issues like they did on tax cuts with the Democrats, we should be able to hold it. But it's March, so we've got lots of time between now and then. And Tuesday's special election in Pennsylvania is like Texas where the Democrats' hopes are up. That they think they'll be able to take a seat, but um, I think I think President Trump going out there could make a big difference, and we'll get the Trump voters. Well, he's back
0: up out. by three. He's not a particularly strong candidate. Let's let's be honest about this. And the Democrats in that particular case did did pick a a, a moderate, a marine, so it's made it far more competitive based on who they chose for that election. Correct.
4: Uh, Absolutely. They're
0: trying to they're trying
4: to be a lighter version of the Republicans, but they're not because and that's the key thing about having the House and the Senate make the Democrats vote, because when they vote on these issues, um, you know, they're they're stifling good legislation, but they get exposed, whether it's whether it's workfare, whether it's, uh, um, you know, immigration. I mean, the
0: president's come up with a reasonable compromise. The Democrats won't even bring it to a vote. Yeah, which I think is bad policy. I mean, there are even people that want DACA and people that would benefit from DACA. And, you know, dreamers are really dumping on Democrats at this point, Doug, and they're protesting, you know, the expiration of the uh, DACA deadline. And they're saying, well, why didn't the Democrats take the deal? They wanted that deal.
7: I've written pieces and said on your show they should, uh, in fact. Uh, have taken the deal i agree with john about the senate i think republicans will pick up a couple of seats um or worst case hold where they are but i think right now they're looking to pick up i think the house though um given the approval ratings of the republican congressional leadership the fact that the president himself is still underwater i i think there's a pretty good chance sean the democrats win the house and they win it in california new york Connecticut, New Jersey, uh, Oregon, Washington—largely, but not entirely, because of the non-deductibility of state and local tax.
0: I'm not sure, but there aren't many Republicans that are up, and, and most of those seats are pretty well gerrymandered. I mean, I don't think Pete King is going to be in trouble in New York or Long Island, uh, and a lot of the but Republicans John, John actually oppose the bill. He is. What's
7: that? John Faso certainly is, and a couple
4: oh, and all you, of others. You're Lee, talking Lee about Mike. You're talking about my candidates. You just named three of my three of my candidates. I mean, Pete
0: King. Well, it's up to John. And, well, John, he's basically saying you're going to be the big loser on election I, day. If that happens, we'll have you on the day after and say, why didn't you do well, your job? Well, well, when they win, but let me tell
4: you, I've, I've ridden those, co- I've ridden their coattails in these elections. John Faso is an extremely hard worker for a first term. He's doing very, very well. You also have, I mean, Pete King and Lee Elden are very, very popular candidates, and and. You just need three people that actually voted against that provision when they voted against the tax cut plan because they were standing up for their districts and people respect their independence. But I tell you, the thing, that, the thing that's really, really important is in our last survey in, in uh, February, the last national survey, we asked the question – do you think the economy is getting better or worse? 56 to 32, the majority of Americans said, said better. And that economic growth, because of those tax cuts that they're seeing and hearing about every day, is, is, is making it extremely hard for the Democrats. Even Nancy Pelosi was backing up today where she was trying to uh, say it wasn't just crumbs i mean she 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 understands that she she sounded so out of touch when she said that. I mean the greatest thing we have going for us is is not necessarily uh um uh, you know the, the the fact that we've gotten these things done, but it's it's that the Democrats are so out of touch and and their values are so wrong they're so out of touch with the mainstream and the heartland of America.
0: What happened in Texas where everybody was predicting this big blue wave and it didn't materialize at all? Even the New York Times half apologized for it not being there.
7: I think the problem is, I say this as a Democrat, I know my friend John McLaughlin will agree, it's not only that the Democrats are out of touch, they don't have an agenda. They don't stand for anything other than resist. And what I said in the article, you were kind enough to vote, Sean, is absent an agenda, absent a centrist approach. They can't maximize their appeal. And I think John would agree with me on that.
4: John? And I would, but I'd go one further. He says they don't have an agenda. They do have an agenda. Every Democrat voted against President Trump's tax cut. Every Democrat... Is not willing to compromise on immigration because they want to keep uh, the diversity lottery. They want to keep chain migration. So, th- so there's there's issue after issue where the Democrats are trying to keep quiet that they really don't agree with the majority of Americans on these issues. So, it's and it's really incumbent on the Republicans because you know in November, if we don't make an issue of where the Democrats are wrong that they that they oppose workfare. Uh, Even term limits. I mean, the members there, they should vote on term limits. The majority of Americans want that. It's the biggest thing going to drain the swamp. If the Republicans don't vote on the issues that the majority of Americans care about, then it's our own fault if we were to lose the House. If, on the other hand, we stand the Democrats and make them vote, then what, then what happens is we have a really good shot to keep the House and pick up
0: Senate seats. But the the great irony in all of this is that Donald Trump, you look at the Heritage Foundation study, he completes 64% of his agenda in the first year of his presidency. And I, I know there was not a lot of great fanfare. Uh, there was last night on the issue of North Korea, which, which was pretty spectacular by any objective measure. Every, nobody thought that the president that said, hey, little rocket man, uh, we've got rockets that work and they're bigger than yours and you're not going to intimidate the United States of America, seemingly through his sanctions and other policies and tough rhetoric, he has brought this guy to the table and he's not going to be bribing them with cargo planes full of cash and other currencies to the tune of $150 billion like Obama did with Iran or Clinton did with uh, North Korea and Kim Jong-un's father. So my point is... That, you know, I think if the Republicans were smart, they'd say, OK, now the president's nearing the 50 percent approval rating mark. I would always ar- argue that he polls lower than he what, where he really is because he's a controversial figure. But with the look at the economic numbers today, uh, you got to say that the Republicans are looking a lot better because of Trump uh, in spite of their hostility towards Trump.
7: Yeah, what I would say is the Democrats' best asset are the Uh, republicans in the congress who really can't get their act together and there is a message there sean but as you have told me for uh so long and i agree they really can't get out of their way they get themselves into trouble
0: well republicans have been weak i mean they could have they could have had so much more in terms of success and advancing their agenda but you know they could barely get out of their way and and repeal and replace health care now they did eventually get rid of the mandate that's a good start uh, the tax plan, though, I think is having such a positive effect on the country just by looking at today's numbers. The me- We can see tangible results and a reversal of eight years of decline. John McLaughlin, that's, you know, people vote their pocketbooks, period. Yes, but you just hit on a really important part. The president and the
4: reliable polls that we look at where they actually make sure they poll enough Republicans and, and uh, they, they they poll for likely voters – the president's hovering in a mid to upper 40s range of job approval. If he can get that over 50 percent, if he can expand that over 50 percent, he will bring the Republicans in Congress up. Because their job approval, that February 9th survey that we had on, on com, while he was a 46-approved, 52-disapproved, the Republican majority in Congress – was only 37 approved and 58 disapprove. So the problem is the president has to bring them over the finish line, and he has to do with the policies you're talking about. He's really he's really a very successful uh, uh, policy president. Where certainly there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of ups and downs in terms of uh, you'll know, as you as you mentioned going after North Korea, et cetera. But it's all about his personality, where he is able to
0: strengthen his position through a growth. Nego- I also think that people now did, did, not, did not get the shock value of a controversial tweet <laughs> has gone away, and people yeah. are now looking for results. They, they elected a disruptor. They've got a disruptor, and things are getting better because of that disruptor. So I think all the noise that you hear from the media that hates him, I think, is, is just not going to be that meaningful. And right, As we continue, the pollster John McLaughlin and Doug Schoen are with us. What does the Democratic Party right now stand for, except that they hate Donald Trump? Can you answer that, Doug Schoen?
7: Yeah, I can. Radical redistribution of wealth and power in American society.
0: Okay, what do they stand for in terms of policies that the American people? If you ask any person on the street, I go out with a microphone and I say, "Okay, what does the Democratic Party represent? What do they stand for? Do you think anybody will have an idea except that they'll say, oh, they hate Donald Trump?
7: They hate Donald Trump and they want to soak the rich.
0: OK, but that's not even true either, is it? Because the average American got a significant two to four thousand dollar tax decrease under the president Republicans tax plan.
7: Yeah, but that's not what the U.S. What the Democrats stand for. They want to raise taxes on the people who got a tax break. <laughs> OK, and then we'll
0: go, the the horrible, we'll go back to the same horrible. We'll go back to the same horrible economy that Obama gave us. Uh, It may well,
7: but uh, I'm not that kind of Democrat. I am somebody who believes in low taxes, who believes in balanced budgets, who believes in uh, tough policies on crime and welfare reform and a very aggressive foreign policy. I'm a lonely man, but that's what I think. And it's different from what the Democrats. think.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Uh, uh, If you're a Republican, how do you campaign this year? You campaign on contrast.
4: You're absolutely exposed because you left out some things with the Democrats. They stand for open borders. They stand for weaker national security. They stand for appeasing our, our, our enemies in the world and, and the weaker America. But, but so the Republicans have to stand on a contrast, on, on substantive issues, and they have to basically say, okay, you really agree with us on the, on the majority of issues. And by the way, uh, I grew up in New York and I've worked – all over the country and mostly blue states, I, I end up in these elections or in these purple states, where it takes a lot of Democrats like Doug Schoen to elect the Republicans I work for, and they always and they agree with us on issues whether it 's whether it 's securing israel i mean what 's amazing is this Democratic party they would throw Israel under the bus, and it used to be a bipartisan issue now it's now it 's like now it's something where it's become a political football after Barack Obama where, uh, in effect, the things that we used to stand for, the values that we would hold dear, a strong America, being strong with our allies, protecting jobs in America – uh, having, you know, you know, low low taxes mm-hmm. on working-class Americans. Um, you know, the, the Democrat Party has rejected it, and and, and uh, we have to draw that contrast. If we don't
0: draw that we lose. I've got a break here. We'll be talking often throughout this election year. Always appreciate you being on, Doug Schoen and John McLaughlin. When we come back, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour. Dan Bongino. Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson, Uh, we're going to talk about the President's North Korean deal and much more straight ahead. I would
2: negotiate like crazy. I'd make sure that we tried to get the best deal possible. Look, Tim... If a man walks up to you on a street in Washington, because this doesn't happen, of course, in New York, but if a man walks up and puts a gun to your head and says, give me your money, wouldn't you rather know where he's coming from before he had the gun in his hand? And these people, in three or four years, are going to be having nuclear weapons. They're going to have those weapons pointed all over the world and specifically at the United States. And wouldn't you be better off solving this really potentially unbelievable, and the biggest problem, I mean, we can talk about the economy, we can talk about Social Security. The biggest problem this world has is nuclear proliferation. And we have a country out there, North Korea, which is sort of wacko, which is not a a bunch of dummies, and they are going out and they are developing nuclear weapons. And they're not doing it because they're having fun doing it. They're doing it for a reason. And wouldn't it be good to sit down and really negotiate something, and ideally negotiate? Now, if that negotiation doesn't work, you better solve the problem now than solve it later, Tim. And you know it, and every politician knows it, and nobody wants to talk about it. Jimmy Carter, who I really like, I mean, he went over there... It was so soft. These people are laughing at us.
3: The former general of the Air Force, Merrill McPeak, the former Secretary of Defense, Les Aspen, said you could not launch a preemptive strike against North Korea because the nuclear fallout could be devastating to the Asian Peninsula.
2: I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about us using nuclear weapons. I'm saying that they have areas where they're developing missiles.
3: No, but taking out their nuclear you know potential that this country, would create Tim, a fallout.
2: Tim, do you know that this country went out and gave them nuclear reactors, free fuel for 10 years? We, we virtually tried to bribe them into stopping, and they're continuing to do what they're doing, and they're laughing at us. They think we're a bunch of dummies. I'm saying that we have to do something to stop. But if the military Ideally,
3: told you, Mr. Trump, we can't can do you this. Give
2: me two names. You're giving me two names. I don't know. Do you want to do it in five years when they have warheads all over the place, every one of them pointing to New York City, to Washington, and every one of our. Is that when you want to do it, or do you want to do something now? You better do it now. And if they think you're serious, I deal with lots of people. If they think you're serious, they'll negotiate, and it'll never come to that.
0: All right, so that's Donald Trump in 1999, an interview that he had uh, given about North Korea's nuclear program. Uh, fascinating that it's resurfaced amid the Trump administration's heightened tensions with Pyongyang. And anyway, it was on Meet the Press, and there's Trump before any... Discussion 16 years later that he's going to be running for president, arguing that the United States must stop North Korea sooner rather than later. Saying first I'd negotiate like crazy and I'd make sure that we tried to get the best deal possible. He said now if negotiation doesn't work, well you better solve the problem now than solve it later, Tim. And you know it. uh, Every politician knows it, and nobody wants to talk about it. Unbelievable. Now with President Trump, everyone thought, "Oh, little rocket man." is is going to create a world war. But this is the same predictable answer that you get from liberals every time that, that the United States, as strong as we are, with the military might we have... For whatever reason, there is a compulsion on the left that they've got to get on, on bended knee and bow and kiss the ring and the backsides of murdering dictators. And their only answer is, "If well, if we bribe them with American tax dollars, then maybe they'll like us a little bit more. Well, that policy of appeasement never has worked and it never will work. Bill Clinton gave Kim Jong-il, who was Kim Jong-un's father, over $3 billion in, in subsidies and in energy. Just the same as Barack Obama gives $150 billion in other currencies, flies it into Tehran to give it to the mullers that are chanting death to America, death to Israel, and burning the American flag and the Israeli flag. The policies of appeasement only incur further aggression. They haven't been a lot nicer since they've gotten all that money. Anyway, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show. Dan Bongino is with us, former Secret Service agent, NRA TV contributor, host of the Dan Bongino Show. And Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson, you may remember he carried the nuclear football under President Clinton, author of Dereliction of Duty, an eyewitness account of how Bill Clinton compromised America's national security. You know, uh, Buzz, as um, I should say, Colonel, I just know you so well. But Colonel, you know, I remember Bill Clinton. I. This is a good deal for the American people when he tried to bribe Kim Jong-un's father. Oh, definitely. I
8: was there the year after that, and uh, he, he began this whole process, Sean, of kicking the can down the road. And here we are 24 years later, um, in the, the 11th hour. This, is, this, is, this stuff is happening, and we're, we're this close now to that guy having the ability to hit uh, American shores, American cities with nuclear weapons. And I, I'm very I'm cautiously optimistic about this. I hope the stars align. Uh, but I don't see it happening. I don't see uh, you know. I, I I think he's messing around with the with the wrong guy. I think if you're gonna, he's trying to play us. I think playing Donald Trump is gonna be a big mistake, and I, I hope that we follow through on that. But uh, I would also say I hope that we press them to do this immediately. Not let Kim by a couple months here because he's right there. If we let him push us across the finish line, we're in big trouble.
0: You know, Dan Bongino, everybody was surprised. You know, there was a lot of talk. The president gave his announcement about the tariff deal yesterday. The most important words that nobody paid attention to, oh, Mexico and Canada are e- exempt, and any other country can, can negotiate an exemption. And it's a part of the Trump personality that the media has never figured out because they're so obsessed with their hatred of him. And what Trump was really doing there is signaling, "But well, I don't want to trade war either. But you can negotiate new trade deals that have to be fairer and help the United States more. That's all he was doing. And he's, yeah. But he's doing it by showing action. But at any point, anybody can negotiate a better deal. It's not going to be a trade war. And just by calling little Rocket Man, look, he got everything he wants. The guy's not just talking about not firing missiles in the interim. He's talking about denuclearization. And he's talking about literally making the world a safer place. But meanwhile, sanctions continue. Meanwhile, our military exercises continue, and it's Kim Jong-un now who has his hands tied.
9: Yes, Sean, and, and, you know, the additional danger here is not just the North Koreans having nuclear weapons. You know, we have to—the audience has to remember— the North Koreans are getting desperate. They are broke. They are quite literally starving to death as a people, not the short, fat guy, of course, but everyone else around him is. The real danger here, Sean, in addition to North Korea, is a kind of a proliferation cascade here where the North Koreans take their technology, and we've already seen some evidence of, uh, around the world around, about this, and give that nuclear technology and trade it for hard cash and other items to hostile actors that want to attack us as well. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of tariffs, never have been. I, I spoke out against them on my show, but I have to agree with you here, and I'm willing to eat a little crow. Um, if this was a negotiating tactic to bring the North Koreans to their knees, um, then I have to tell you that that tariff would be certainly worth it to get the
0: nukes out of their hands. It would be a phenomenal. You know, to denuclearize the entire region would be amazing. Now, one of the reasons one of the factors I think – that happened, and this is behind the scenes the president's great relationship with the president of China, and that was underreported. When when the when the Chinese president came to the United States, there were multiple meetings that were scheduled for ten fifteen minutes that went on over two hours. Well, I, I asked the president. I asked. I said, "How did the meetings go?" And he said, "We hit it off phenomenally." Now, when you can establish a rapport and a relationship, and they are the power in the geopolitical power in that part of the world and they have great impact on the chinese on the north korean economy and they have been a part of our effort not completely but they have been contributing to the slowdown of the economy in north korea well that's just bringing peace to the region and that makes the world a better safer place I guess nobody thought Donald Trump was going to be the guy to do it because Donald Trump took a stand and he wasn't offering billions of dollars in bribes.
8: Well, that's right, Sean. You know, and I think this is brilliant. If you think about what could possibly happen here, the way Donald Trump, the, the art of the deal, right, the way he's playing this right now is uh, is almost, it is Reagan-esque, actually. And if, he, if he makes this thing happen. Uh, it'll be like the uh, iron curtain falling you know coming down in the berlin wall It will be um an amazing accomplishment I think uh, you know it should be a Nobel Peace Prize accomplishment if it goes through of course he won 't go um, but uh, you know, he's playing he 's playing everybody like a fool and I think that he 's got this guy cornered I think he 's got China cornered with the tariff issue, and uh, I think he sees things so far down the road that the rest of us uh, most uh, most media types don 't see. So he's he's well well ahead of us right now in this whole thing, and I and again I say to him into into uh, you know to uh, North Koreans, if you guys want to cut a deal, let's do it now. Let's not wait until June or July when you guys have had three or four more months to uh, to finish up your operation and have uh, deployable nukes.
0: Yeah, I uh, you know at this particular point, I also don't want a, people's expectations to get wildly crazy and out of whack. I think what we have here, sanctions are working. I think the North Korean dictator has come up against a wall that he knows that if he continues to fire missiles, there will be military retaliation that would be devastating for the region and especially his own country. From my perspective, he's one or two missiles away from having that missile either shot out of the air or taken off the pad. Dan Bongino.
9: Yeah, Sean, and, and think about it. You know, this is what really gets under my skin. The foreign policy establishment, listen, you and I have had to deal with this forever, you a lot longer than me, but, you know, the foie gras eating crowd, crowd, the bow tie wearers, you know who I'm talking about, the D.C. Mm -hmm. snob, the foreign policy establishment of all the D.C. snobs are the snobs of the snobs. They will talk down to you in a minute. Just follow them on Twitter. They, They think Donald Trump is the biggest idiot out there, and yet... He's had this incredible breakthrough. I agree. Everybody should move with understandable caution. The North Koreans have lied to us before. But maybe, just maybe, Sean, the the bow tie wearers in D.C., the foreign policy snobs, should take a look in the mirror and say, hey, maybe we've been wrong. Maybe this guy's air quotes here, unpredictability, is some kind of a strategic asset. What I don't get is how the same foreign policy snobs say Kim is dangerous and we should treat him with kid gloves because he's unpredictable. And yet when Trump on the foreign stage shows some unpredictability as well that benefits us, all of a sudden, they want to throw them under the bus. I mean, which one is it? Which one's more strategically efficient?
0: Yeah, it's true. And then historically, you've got to look at all of this through a historical prism. I mean, the, the classic example of appeasement is Neville Chamberlain and peace in our time and Winston Churchill understanding the reality and the evil of, of Adolf Hitler and Nazism long before others were willing to see the The evil that was in their midst, and it turned out that Churchill was right, and there was no peace in our time and similarly there 's been a belief here in America with Bill Clinton first telling the American people that they got such a good deal that of course resulted in billions of dollars in energy subsidies being sent to North Korea. while, well, they still develop nukes, and they 're continuing their missile uh, production even as we see speak, threatening that they 're going to you know hit the continental United States. And then that goes to this, the the dumbest deal of all time, which is the Iranian deal with Obama. You know, Buzz Patterson, if you give uh, Iranian mullers chanting death to America $150 billion, are they going to like us anymore or just have contempt for us?
8: Uh, contempt and, and, and lack of respect. And I think that was treasonous uh, talking about that deal with Iran. And I want to jump back to one of Dan's earlier points. You know, if, if North Korea does actually have this capability and we let them continue to develop – Dan's right. This is going to spread to Iran in a heartbeat if it hasn't already. By the way, and it's going to be other countries that are going to be selling it off for it because they need food, they need power, they need they need uh, um, an infrastructure. So they're going to be marketing this stuff on the you know all around the world. So Dan's exactly right. This is not just about that peninsula. This is about the world.
0: Take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll continue Dan Bongino, Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson. Final half hour of the program today, straight to your calls. All right, as we continue, Dan Bongino, former Secret Service Agent, Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson is with us, author of the best selling book, Dereliction of Duty, an eyewitness account of how Bill and Hillary, Bill Clinton, compromised America's national security. Um, I, I know you talk about it in the sense of other ways, but North Korea was probably the one of the worst things he ever did in terms of geopolitical mistakes that any president has made. Would you agree with that, Buzz Patterson?
8: Oh, yes, sir, I would, John. I, actually, I think there were two things that Clinton did under my time there. The first was uh, allowing North Korea to get this thing started. The second was actually in the re-election campaign of 1996 when I was there with him, that he uh, sold technology, uh, satellite and uh, missile technology to, to the Chinese for, for uh, campaign donations. So there are a couple of things, that's why I wrote the book. I mean, there are a couple of things that, uh, that Clinton did that really set the stage for where we are today. He, he really kind of uh, set a tone for the US military, national security abroad, that uh, we were gonna be more of an appeasing uh, country we were going to be doing it for personal gain in terms of his, his career and his uh, his presidency, and it's uh, the, the, he began the downfall of our military, our security to where we are today. And fortunately, today we have Donald Trump in the, in the presidency, and he also now mm-hmm. understands what it means to have a strong military, to uh, peace with strength to quote reagan again and uh thank god because i can't imagine where we'd be today sean if we had hillary clinton in the in the chair now calling shots on north korea
0: yeah great dan
9: you know, Sean, what, the, the media cracks me up on this. Not to, not to get off card target here, but you know, you mentioned before appeasement and Chamberlain. This is not appeasement, okay? Chamberlain ceded Sudetenland, okay? A strategic component Czechoslovakia needed. The Munich Agreement was a disaster because we gave something up. Let's be clear on this. Trump is not giving anything up yet. But I find it awfully ironic that the same media trying to already slam them with an appeasement kind of label and as an appeaser seem to have no problem at all with pallets, literally, Sean, pallets of cash given to Iranian mobs that scream out Can't Death make it up. It sounds funny. I'm not laughing, but you're right. You can't, make, it's like a tragic comedy. Like the media just can't get out of their own way. But I will applaud, I saw your tweet last night. I will applaud Erin uh, 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 Burnett at CNN. I never thought I'd say those words for finally admitting something yesterday. She said if he manages to pull this off, He's going to be a great president. I almost dropped dead when I heard that.
0: Unbelievable. All right. You guys have been phenomenal. All right. toll toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. All right. Happy Friday to everybody. Let's get to the phones. Let's say hi. John is in Homestead in Florida. What's up, John? How are you? Happy Friday. Glad you're with us.
5: Sean, happy Friday to you. Greetings and felicitations from sunny South
0: Florida. Ah, uh, sunny South Florida. You and Rush and all the smart people live down there. All of us dummies live up here in New York.
5: Well, not for long, because uh, my girlfriend and I really can't stand it down here. It's like living in another country. But anyway, well, why? I
0: heard you. Talk- why, well, slow down. Why don't you like Florida? What?
5: What's not to like about Florida? Well, South Florida. Um, we live just south of Miami. It's a very, um, it's a very impersonal uh, society. It's uh, it's fraught with a lot of rude people. Uh, driving and traffic down here is an absolute nightmare. And needless to say. My girlfriend and I, after three years of being here, are going to move back to the Midwest, where there's a little bit more sensibility and responsibility for oneself. So that being said, I want to bring a little bit of sanity. I appreciate you bringing sanity to my everyday life, but okay. I want to bring a little bit of sanity. I want to bring a little bit of sanity to you when it comes to this harley davidson discussion.
0: <laughs> it, it doesn't seem to be much of a discussion. It's not one that I'm winning. It's not one that that goes over well with anybody in my family. Uh, You know what? The last uh, words I heard was, Go. You want to buy yourself a donor cycle. All right, I get the point. (laughs) I I make your pitch.
5: You do have to be careful for other people on the road. When you pull up next to somebody that you see somebody texting, you make them roll down your window, their window, and you say, Hey, I don't want to die today, so put your phone down.
0: You know, you can't control what other people do. It doesn't matter if you're in a car, and it doesn't matter if. You know, you're on a motorcycle. You know, it is scary. Um, Look, I have in my life, I'm not going to lie, I have texted and I have while I was driving. But I'm going to tell you, I cut it out. Because if you take your eye, I just, I see it is so dangerous that it's just you can't do it. I never do it now. I literally put my phone on mute and I put it away from me so I don't even know if anyone's texting or calling or anything. I don't want to know. I don't plug it into my my car, which I could do, and, you know, then then I'm still distracted. I don't want to be that distracted. You know, when I get in a car, I put on one channel, I leave it on one channel. I'm either listening to, you know, Y2 Country or Howard Stern or or talk radio. That's it. Or news. And that's all I listen to. And so I pick one, two, three, four. And there. I do, all I have to do is press a button, and that changes it, and that's it. So... That's about, that's I my think life. this
1: is actually a very good, you know, what? token in the cap of why you should get a Harley. Why? Because there's no way on God's green earth you can text and write a Harley.
0: <laughs> no, but I, no, when I say I gave up, I gave it up years and years ago. I won't do it. It is too dangerous. I, have you ever done? Well, what it I'm and,
1: doing is I'm making the argument for you to get the Harley. Like, listen, okay. I'll be safer. I'll be on a I'll be Harley. Safer. I'll be on a I'll
0: Harley. Be
1: able to text. You know. Listen to me,
0: at the end of the day, I have to decide if I'm willing to accept what's coming my way if I get it. You know. And I don't.
1: Oh please! You're gonna ride a Sunday Cruiser like Grandpa. You'll be doing no, 35 no, I, on I, a listen, sunny I'm road. Not,
0: I don't want the biggest Harley they make. I just want the Harley 1200. That's the only one I want. I know the exact bike I want. I know the exact look I want. I know the exact features I want. And I, I know everything because I've looked at them for years. We're just ride in circles in the parking lot. <laughs> very, very safe. I think I get bored doing that. All right. But thank you for the uh, thank you for the assist. I do appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Uh, let's get back to our phones. Uh, Joan is in uh, Sacramento, California. Well, there's a land of corruption. How are you? Glad you called.
10: I am great. I love you, Sean. I love that you're not biased and you put the truth out there. I just love you.
0: Wow, I'm feeling really good about myself now. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I
10: loved your movie, and I sit up in the movie theater and cried. Oh, thank you. Totally reality. I got. By the the way, I have good news
0: on that. The movie is now on DVD. Finally,
10: I I know. I know. And I watch it every night. I know. When I don't watch it, I record it.
0: Listen, it's, a, it's on demand if you want to buy it at home. It's like on Dish TV and stuff like that. But you can get it mm-hmm. at Walmart and, and all the, those types of stores. They have them available, and I, it's called Let There Be Light. And I, for those that haven't seen it, um, it did so well beyond our wildest expectations. And I'm very proud of it. And it has a message. Your whole family can watch it. And it's very entertaining, fast-moving. You'll never predict the outcome.
10: And it sure does, I really enjoyed it, but i you I, did I got a question. Say, did
0: you cry at the end?
10: I did I cried at the end,
0: yeah, most I did. people I do we really cry, yeah, most yeah, people it, do it
10: yeah. was really it was an awesome Christian movie, and they don't they don't make enough of them nowadays
0: they and it, by the way, and it doesn't hit you over the head with it it's not like it's not the kind of movie it's a movie that makes you think, you know, I wanted to make a movie that impacted your heart your that would yes. stimulate your mind. That it would be did. very modern day, contemporary, a realistic scenario. And I think yes. we accomplished that. And, and, and I think it has a good message.
10: You truly did. You, you nailed thank it. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you. But
10: I did want to say one thing before you let me go. I do not trust Jeff Sessions. Sure, he's a good man, but he cannot be alone by himself still being around that justice system, Rosenstein and all of them. Sitting up having dinner with him and after telling Shafist before that he's not going to put a special counsel. And I do on the kidding side, they need to take a lie detector test, whoever they get, because to see if they are hate Trump or, or not. See if well, they're a Trump hater or not.
0: Let me tell you something. I don't. You know, I hear what you're saying. Look, the news in this country is corrupt. I, you know, things were a little slow the last couple of weeks. Everything is about to accelerate When we learned yesterday that, in fact, the FBI is investigating the Clinton Foundation, when we see that Jeff Session did make an appointment, and we know the IG report after 14 months is coming, there's about to be—there will be such vindication for this show and those people that— have partnered with us doing the hard legwork, investigative work like Sarah Carter and Greg Jarrett and John Solomon and Victoria Tunsing and Jay Seculo. It is going to be the biggest we were right, you were wrong you've ever seen in your life. And I am uh, I'm proud of what we've done. It's taken a year. But in the next week, two weeks, there's going to be massive developments. Just sit tight. And when you hear this stuff, just say, wow, I think I heard Hannity talking about that in the last year at some point, because it's true. We've not been wrong.
10: That long, if not longer. But I tell you, when I even turn to just see what CNN is talking about, it just makes my stomach just nod up because they have went all the way downhill. And they pay people to be on to to receive their news. They pay for all that garbage y'all, in the airport and everywhere. They pay. No, they pay. That's
0: right. But listen, they they have some really good reporters. They sent that reporter all the way to Thailand to meet this uh, sex coach hooker inside a prison because she was going to break wide open the Trump-Russia collusion case. And then they sent another reporter to St. Petersburg, Russia, so that he could do some dumpster diving in the hopes that that's going to tr- break open the Trump-Russia collusion thing. And they're really working hard over there to spread their lies and, and pull up their disinformation. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I got to roll. Joan, you have a great weekend. Appreciate you calling back to our busy phones. Uh, Timothy is in Utah. Timothy, how are you?
11: I'm doing well, Sean. How about yourself? I'm good, sir. I thank you for having me. Um, the uh, the Utah Republicans are not supporting uh, liberal governor Massachusetts uh, Mitt Romney. Um, he was a uh, supporter. I don't
0: see any scenario where Mitt Romney does not win that election. I just don't. <laughs>
11: And you're absolutely 100% correct, as always. Um, here, there's two ways of, of getting the primaries. There's the good old-fashioned republicanism with the neighborhood caucuses on the 20th of March. And then there's uh, an option for those who have deep resources like uh, Mitt Romney, and they can go ahead and do the signature route. And right now, through his recognition program, he's offering a picture for those who gathers 20... Signatures. And you need 2,000 signatures in order. Look,
0: I'm just going to tell you right now. He's going to win the race. There's something that happens to people when they lose elections. Hillary, she went off the deep end. Al Gore, off the deep end. John McCain went off the deep end. And, you know, I just can tell you that I don't know what happens to people. Now, with that said, Mitt Romney made a lot of predictions about Donald Trump before the election. And I think he's an honest guy. I always liked Mitt Romney. Personally, I liked him a lot. I think he could have been a little stronger candidate. He chose to do it his way, and, you know, he didn't win. Um, My guess is he'll govern the way that he ran in his presidential election, which is I think he'll stand by those principles. If he doesn't, that would be uh, sad for the people of Utah. And, uh, you know, I thought that he and the president put their let bygones be bygones. We'll find out. All right, we're following a number of breaking news stories tonight, a follow-up to the North Korean dictator, now basically capitulating to Donald Trump, a shocker in media reaction we have. Also in the uranium One case, Victoria Tunsing, well, she now points out that, in fact, her informant client has been interviewed by the Arkansas FBI about the Clinton Foundation. And it appears Jeff Sessions is about to announce a special counsel. 9 Eastern Hannity tonight. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday.